0: If anything, I need is some new new knees and some new eyes. But uh, if you all know where those are on sale, let me know. But if nothing else, we'll do with the ones we have there. It is good to be here. It is a blessing to be down here. The Lord has been doing all sorts of great stuff in our life, and uh, you can go, oh, she, he's already got it going. He is good. Y'all need to keep this guy right here. And. Um, The Lord has blessed us tremendously, and the Lord laid on my heart Argentina. So many people people ask me why Argentina. I said, first of all, why not? That's the first thing, and second of all, if the Lord puts a burden on your heart for a place, there's nothing else is going to be where you need to be. The Lord put a burden on my heart in a strong way for Argentina. It's kind of interesting how the Lord works. um, Easter Sunday was my last Sunday at the church I'd been pastor in the last eight years. And even before that, even when, I, when my wife and I married, we married back in 96. This will be 20 years in November. We're still on our honeymoon, by the way. And um, I wouldn't have it any other way. But even back then, when I was in seminary, I knew the Lord was going to have us do some type of foreign work some, at some point. But I didn't know where. How do you know where? That was always a question because there's so many places that need the gospel. There's so many needs everywhere. Something, what, do you put a map on the wall and throw darts at it? I don't recommend that. You'll end up all sorts of crazy places. You'll end up in the middle of the Pacific Ocean or up in some mountain way off in the middle of nowhere. Don't throw darts at a map. Pray to God. Pray to God and He will direct your heart. He will direct your path. He will direct your steps. Now, the way it worked was... The Lord had a lot of places he wanted me to go first. There's a lot of experiences he wanted me to go through. And um, I wouldn't trade it. There's a few moments you know, me in the flesh would trade. Some of those hard days, yeah, you know, the days that you think, well, why didn't I just go do this? Or <laughs> but the Lord keeps you, the Lord sustains you. And um kind of reminds me of this little fig tree I had. I planted a fig tree, and we had some folks that came out to mow. Not all people that are professionals are professionals. And I think everybody knows that, right? Well, I tell you what, they, they knocked the bark all around that fig tree. I mean, I thought the thing was going to die because it was cut all the way around that thing. The thing lived. It, it, it didn't grow very fast, but it, it, it kept living and it kept growing and it kept coming back. Well, I tell you what, the Lord sometimes wants to knock some bark off your tree. And they say whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Well, that's how the Lord is. And um, the last 20 years, the Lord has taken me through all sorts of places, all sorts of experiences, all different types of people. Some people pleasant, some people not so pleasant. And I wouldn't trade it a bit. And I think of Moses. Moses had the purpose from the Lord to bring his people out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Now, he was ready to go and start it right away. He saw that one one little scuffle going on there and he stopped it and buried the guy in the sand and the next day he was going to resolve some conflict and said hey who made you a ruler over us? He ended up being out in the wilderness for 40 years with sheep learning how to lead sheep before he could come back and lead God's people. I tell you what, I don't, I don't count myself any better than Moses because Moses was the greatest though one of the greatest that ever was. But Lord did it in 20 for me, but anyway, Um, God is good, God is good, and he put this burden on my heart, I was um, up at the school there in in Hardin, Texas, and I don't remember what I was doing, I was in a classroom working on a computer, bringing a computer, helping a teacher with something, and they had a documentary going on Argentina, and I came home that day Couldn't get Argentina off my mind. And so I was looking up all sorts of things. I was on Google Earth looking at maps and looking at different things. My wife was like, is there something I should know about? And uh, I said, well, I'm just looking right now. I'm just looking. And it was like the same day or the same week, Brother Barker, missionary down in Paraguay, y'all pray for him. He needs a sponsoring church. He lost his sponsoring church back in November. Y'all pray for him. Good man. But... um, he had posted a message saying, Well, we need a bunch of missionaries down in Argentina. We need people down there. There's all, and he's talking about all these different cities that needed somebody that didn't have anything. So we have nothing in our entire work in the whole country, the very large country. And um, the Lord put it on my heart and burdened it. Well, it was uh, September, sep- no, 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 excuse me, February 2014 was the day I said, This is what we're doing. This is what the Lord wants us to do. And so we began making steps that direction. We invited some folks to pray with us and uh, just pray for God's leadership and guidance. And at this point, we didn't do an entire broadcast over all the internet. That's what we're doing. We just prayed for the Lord to send to the next steps. September of 2014, we took our survey trip, which most of these pictures are from that. And... Um, The Lord blessed us in so many ways when we were on our survey trip. When we got off the plane, we knew nobody face-to-face. And the Lord gave us the contacts. I had a month that I took off of work, and uh, I was away from the church there for a month, going down there to see what God was going to do. We wanted to get prices of everything. We wanted to see how much everything cost, what it would take to live there. We wanted to get responses from the people on the streets, find out what was in the people's minds, what was in their hearts, where where was their bent toward, what was the problems, what were the good things. We wanted to talk to any and every type of person that called themselves a preacher or anything and find out what was going on in their lives and what response they've had. I've talked to I talked to everything from Jehovah Witness people to Baptists to Pentecostal folks. To, I, mean, I talked to everybody just to find out what's going on. The Lord sent me people. And here's the thing. I only had a limited amount of money to go down there with. And I prayed to the Lord. Lord put people in my path that I can talk to. And He sent me people from different areas. If I didn't have money or time to go to a place in Argentina, because it's a big country, he sent me somebody from that place. Like I was, for example, I mentioned Jehovah Witness guy. I was on the bus. If you've ever been on a bus, you know, whoever you have next to you is a captive audience. You've got them there. I mean, they can't go. They can't get up and go. Somewhere. what are they going to do? Go to the other side of the bus? Nobody, somebody's already sitting on that side. They have no other place to go besides their assigned seat. And so, the Lord sent me this uh, Jehovah Witness missionary and his wife to talk to. Guess what? I, ta- I told them how to be saved. We talked about a lot of things. But you know what the neat thing was? He went on for a long time telling me all about his family, telling me all about the area that he lived in because I didn't have time to stop there. We drove through there when when they let him off, but didn't have time to go and see those people. So he told me all about it, Tell me all about some of the things that he's encountered because, you know, he he goes a lot of places. I don't agree with him Uh, teaching-wise, Yeah. I think the teaching he has is of the devil. But i tell you what, he gave me a lot of information about the people and the places he's gone and some of the response he's had. The Lord sent me, um, oh, the neatest thing was, we went over, took a trip over to Buenos Aires, the capital of Argentina. We plan on starting in the city of Córdoba. Now, I've been instructed that I'm supposed to say it phonetically with an English you a Mer- you know, North American accent, a Texas accent, Cordoba. So that way people would know how to spell it. But down there it's Cordoba. But nobody knows how to spell that. So Cordoba. So anyway, I've got a wife that keeps me straight. She is best. She is the best that's ever. Nobody can have her. She's mine. I'm taking her with me to Argentina. And um, we're going to start in that city. It's centrally located in the middle of Argentina. It's the second largest city there. 1.2 million people roundabout, bigger than Austin, it's kind of laid back, kind of like San Antonio is, if you've ever been down to that area, beautiful city, wonderful place, uh, great response I've had from the people, but we, we took a trip over to the capital, Buenos Aires, it's, it's more like going to New York City, I mean, it's just big, I mean, you've got to watch your bags and, you know, make sure, I mean, it's just, it's a crazy place, but, uh, there's more psychoanalysts per capita than any other place in the world. There, I mean, So either everybody wants to rob you or psychoanalyze you. Anyway, it's, it's kind of a mixed up thing. But anyway, we went over to Buenos Aires and we were visiting an independent Baptist preacher over there. That man's doing a good work. Y'all, you know, y'all pray for their, their work. They're, they're outside of Buenos Aires. And we visited him on a Sunday. It's kind of neat because that morning... He'd lost his voice. He said, I can't preach this morning. Can you preach for me? <laughs> and so I got to preach in Spanish there in uh, the city of Pilar and got to, got to preach to his congregation. And there was a lady saved that morning. That was exciting. And there was another co- elderly couple, a Catholic couple, that had never been in a Baptist church in their entire life. Got to preach to them. Later on that afternoon, we got to go out and go, uh, you know, just talking to people in the park. You can go into a park and you can hand anybody anything because they'll take it. I mean, they're so used to salespeople, they'll come on a bus and they'll just set something in each person's lap. They'll set like, you know, whether it be like a candy bar or a paper, and they set it in your lap there. If you don't want it, you just leave it in your lap. And they come back and they pick it up later. But they'll take stuff and they'll read it. It's amazing. Down here, you know, around here, sometimes you hand somebody... Somebody and they they water up and throw it throw it back at you and spit in your face. But I mean, down there they will actually take it and they'll they'll sit there and read it. We went talking to different people there in that park after the service, and I had to pick the one person that had unintelligible Spanish. I, mean, I can understand Spanish, but this man he had been in an accident, a motorcycle accident, and so he kind of had like this voice, like a Spanish-speaking version of The Godfather, and he's like. It's kind of like his voice was like that. I tell you what, this man was touched that somebody would stop and talk to him because he had a little bit of deformity because of his accident. And I stopped, sat down on the bench, and was visiting with him. And I invited him to to, to the place there. I told him about the Lord, and I told him about the place there. And he knew where the place was. He had tears in his eyes, he'd never been invited to anywhere. People wanted to leave him alone. Well, down there, yeah, it's an interesting thing. I've, I've told the story before, but it's kind of funny because there's a law down there in Argentina that you have to wear a motorcycle helmet on your head. It is against the law to have a motorcycle going down the road. Well, no, say You have to have a motorcycle helmet. They just say you have to wear a motorcycle helmet. That's the law. You have to wear a motorcycle helmet. Well, they don't want to wear it on their head, so what they do is they put it on their elbow. And so they'll be going down the road with the helmet on their elbow and they're always getting accidents you ever see the driving down there it is crazy i mean there there's lanes painted in the in the road but you know what they mean they, they mean not a thing because they just go i mean there may be three lanes and five lanes of traffic and um and the police are just as bad they're kind of like going on all in between things and anyway if you really want an adventure get in a taxi down in argentina and tell them to step on it I tell you, that is an adventure. That that is an adrenaline rush. I tell you what, I, I didn't see any six flags over, over Argentina or anything like that. Or I didn't see any. I'm sure they got them somewhere, but I think they just get in the taxis and say, step on it if they want their, their roller coaster thrill rush. Anyway, um so we were down in Buenos Aires and the preacher said, I'm going to this this uh, party for This other preacher's daughter, they were having a quinceanera, a 15th birthday party. Would you like to come? I said, sure, I would love to come. Well, guess what was at that party? All of these preachers from all over Argentina, all over, I mean all over, had come to his daughter's 15th birthday party. So I got to go around the room with my notepad asking them about their area. God does this stuff. I could not have planned this. and I mean, God did this. It was neat because before our suitcases even arrived, we had a meeting with people that we were scheduled, we we went to. Our our suitcases had not even arrived yet. I talked to the guy at the hostel we stayed at the first night. A hostel, a lot of people don't know what that is around this area. A hostel is like a hotel, except instead of renting a room, you rent a bed. And so... uh, we stayed at this hostel, and the, the keeper there at the desk, we start, I started talking to him about the Lord and, and telling him why, we're, why in the world we were down here in the country. And um, a little bit later, we came back, and he said, hey, listen, there's a group of people, and they like to uh, practice English, and they like to talk about the Bible. And I think they're meeting tonight. I said, great. And so, well, tell me where. And, and so, he, t- he gave me the name of this cafe where they were going to be, And um, we said, well, let's go. So my wife and I, we got our stuffs. Again, our suitcases hadn't even arrived. We hadn't been there 10 minutes. And we already had a meeting we were going to. And so we walked to the place and found it. And these people were amazed. They were like, this never happens. Nobody ever seeks us out. They never had anybody walking off the street looking for them. And matter of fact, they said, we weren't even planning on meeting tonight. We were planning on meeting. We've been meeting the other day, but we just planned decided to meet this evening. And they said, "How'd you find us?" And I said, "Well, this, this guy at the at the place there. He he told us that y'all were over here." I said, "They were they were amazed." They said, "I haven't seen him in three years." He turned out being like the friend of a former girlfriend of so and so that was there. Anyway, it was this long relationship of yeah. You know, How did that happen? Well, I have a God in heaven that arranges meetings. I have a God in heaven that can open doors that no man can shut and can close doors that no man can open. I have a God that can do these things. And every time the Lord does something like this, it is a testimony to those that are skeptics. And there's a lot of skeptics there in Argentina. There's a lot of things that are similar. Um, Secular humanism is big. Um, if you look in the dictionary if you look on google it'll talk about the fact that you know, catholicism is the biggest thing there but really i would say secular humanism and freudism Yeah, you know, sigmund freud you know the whole psychoanalyst blame your parents for everything that's the biggest thing and you cannot come to the lord if you blame everybody else for your problems Because what you have to do before you can be saved, you've got to realize you are the fault. It's your sin that took Jesus to the cross. It's your sin that broke everything. It's not just the sin of your father, it's not the sin of your mother. It's your sin. See, I come from this because I had messed up parents. I was the first generation Christian. My parents were not Christians, they did not know the Lord. They did not raise me in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And you know, and there's a lot of messed up stuff I can look at from my childhood that were just, it was just bad. But you know what? I'm not going to go around and blame my father. I can count on my hands how many times I've seen my father in the flesh. But I, he does not owe me a thing. And you know what I owe him? To love one another. That's what the scripture says. Owe oh, no man anything but in the flesh but to love one another. And so... You cannot hold that, and you cannot carry that around. You've got to forgive those and realize God's going to hold you as an individual accountable for what is going on in your life. He loves you so much. And so that's one of the things we're going to be fighting down there, this whole thing. Um, And and again, the whole unchurched thing where people just... um, Don't associate with anything. Don't even really think about whether there's a God or not. But um, I'll tell you what. God is real. God is so real. Because He, again, He is the one that moves in the background. He is the one that does things. He is the one that burdens our hearts. He is the one that we need to give an account to one day. And we will answer to. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. That Jesus Christ is Lord, the glory of God the Father. Now the question will be, are you going to be bowing down as his child? Or are you going to be bowing down having missed the boat? And so we are excited. Our plans, as far as for when we're going, and what's going on, the next year and a half we're going to be going around and just sharing what the Lord is doing, sharing our burden, sharing what, what the plans are. Next year and a half, January 2018. All my family plans on being in language school. All of them, except for well, my oldest. He's going to be going to Texas Baptist Institute and Seminary. He just got his acceptance letter just the other day, and uh, be moving him the first week of July. He just finished his his schooling this year, and uh, be moving up there here within a month. So it's kind of a that's a hard thing. I'm I'm excited for him, but at the same time. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be missing my son, missing my bass singer. <laughs> I, I like hear, hearing that bass in my ear when he's, when he's singing there. And um, Anyway, that's hard. But at the same time, the Lord is going to take care of him. He surrendered to preach in September of last year. He's been doing a, a great job. You know, the church I was pastoring, um, he was teaching the adult Sunday school for about a year there. And before that, uh, the year before that, he was doing the, uh, started off doing the devotional for the BTC, or Sunday school, one of the two, but anyway, and so, um, but the Lord has blessed him as he's been faithful to the Lord, and I'm looking forward to great things out of his life, and he's already got a friend going with him, so uh, I'm excited, it's going to be a good year up there at TBI, I think, And, and then my oldest daughter, yeah, she'll be turning 18 about the time that we're heading to language school so we're going to be going January 2018 she turns 18 in July of that year and so we'll be in language school for a year our plan is there I'm going to start off myself with like an eight week or so intensive class I speak Spanish already I'm able to preach in Spanish but it's kind of joke it's like I can say something 10 ways in English but only three in Spanish Argentina is a very educated country I want to be able to go there and stand toe-to-toe with a college professor and debate secular humanism, if I need, without stuttering or calling something a thingamabob. I want to be able to be concise and articulate in everything I say. And so I'm going to start off with a, like an eight-week intensive class, and then I'm going to switch off with my wife and let her go full-time the rest of the year while I'm homeschooling the kids. And the kids are going to pick it up real fast. I'm not worried about them at all. They're going to get it. And uh, while I'm homeschooling the kids, I'm also going to be recording and, and writing materials that I will later use um, in our future ministry down there. But basically, have somebody bleed all over it with a red pen. Basically, I'm going to eat humble pie for a whole year as people correct mistakes And so that's my goal. I want to put it all out there, and I want to make as many mistakes that year as possible. So that way I'm not making them later, if that makes sense. And uh, we're going to go directly from there to Argentina, January 2019. We're going to be there all of 2019 and most of 2020. We're planning on coming back around September, be able to hit all the local... State, all the the local meetings in local associations, September and October, November, the state meeting, Christmas with the family in December, and fly back 2021 to Argentina to start our second term. And so that's our plans right now. First term, the goals are to learn language, learn the culture, love the people, make contacts, and just see what God does. And when we come back, having that all established, well, I tell you what. It's going to be exciting to see what the Lord does with it. And um, all I know is I've got a great God that's able to do these things. If you turn in your Bible real quick to Isaiah chapter 2. Isaiah chapter 2. i tell you what, when I open up my Bible, all I see is, you I mean, I see Argentina all over this. Now, Argentina is not mentioned in the Bible. I'm not going to take something out of context or anything like that, but The thing is, the need is the same. The need is there. And I see see stuff in the Scripture, and I'm like, oh boy, that describes them. And if there's a passage that describes Argentina, this is one of them here. Isaiah chapter 2, and understand that the context of this is talking about Israel. It's talking about the house of Jacob and the fact that they were not following God. They had thrown God behind their back and they were doing everything else besides seeking God. You know, people seek for peace and comfort in all sorts of things. Some people seek for peace and comfort at the bottom of a bottle. Some people seek peace and comfort in some pills or in something they smoke. Some people seek for peace and comfort amongst other people. People that are like-minded, they're looking for hope, they're looking for peace, they're looking for some type of contentment. Some people try to find it in their job, they bury themselves in their work. If I was, if I was not saved, I would probably be one of those people, because I get in there and I'll work, and sometimes my play is work, I can turn fun into work. But anyway, that's why the Lord gave me a wife and family, so I don't, yeah, work myself to death, but... Some people try to find their meaning their purpose in their work. Some people try to find their meaning and purpose in the things they have. A lot of young people, and tell me young people, this is not true, they find their identity and their peace, some of them, in the vehicle they drive and the phone they carry. Well, what phone do you have? They wouldn't like my phone. My phone is a $39 Walmart phone. So why do you have a $39 Walmart phone? Well, because my cheaper phone broke. I said, well, I had a good phone before that, but it, it died also anyway. But um, a lot of people find their identity in their vehicle. You take their vehicle from, the, from that, you know, that, that nice truck with the revving engine away from the young man, I tell you, he doesn't know who he is. Take their phone away from them, oh, they don't know what to do. I mean, what are they going to do, talk to each other? I mean, they can't even talk. I mean, you know, they, you, you you're removed, you cut their tongue out. I mean, anyway... Where do you find your peace and contentment? Well, Israel was finding theirs in all sorts of other things that they had no business dealing themselves in. Verse 6, if you look at verse 6. Well, first of all, let's look at verse 5. Starts the, the previous paragraph or finishes it. Verse 5, chapter 2 says, O house of Jacob, come ye and let us walk in the light of the Lord. And understand the context of this is Isaiah is talking about a prophecy, that he, a vision he had seen about the last days, about all of the nations of the earth flowing to Jerusalem. Beautiful passage there. talks about you know, them beating their, their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. And then it says, O house of Jacob, come ye and let us walk in the light of the Lord. And it says in verse 6, Therefore thou hast forsaken the people of the house of Jacob. Now understand when God says He's forsaken the people of the house of Jacob, it doesn't mean that he doesn't love them anymore. And it doesn't mean that he, has, he is breaking his promises because he's still good. Just He cannot honor sin. If you're living a life of sin, he's not going to honor it. The Bible says that even our prayer is an abomination to God if we're not right with God. We can be praying to the Lord, but if you're not real inside, if you, don't, if you hate your brother... It's an abomination to God. He said, leave your gift on the altar and go reconcile with your brother first, then come back and offer to the Lord. Your very prayer will be an abomination to the Lord. So when, when you see here, therefore thou hast forsaken thy people, understand, God loves his people, and he still loves the people of Israel. And he still has not forgotten about them. And he doesn't forget about you when you are off doing the wrong thing, he just won't bless you. And I'll bless you. He says, because, look at this, this is important, because they be replenished from the east. I, I like the way that it, Spanish, it, it, in Spanish here it, it translates it, porque están llenos de costumbres traídas del oriente. They are full of the customs brought from the east. Replenished from the east, that's what it's talking about. They brought in all these foreign ideas. All these foreign ideas. They, and are soothsayers like the Philistines. And they please themselves and the children of strangers. Their land is also full of silver and gold. Neither is there any end of their treasures. Their land is also full of horses. Neither is in, there any end of their chariots. Their land is also full of idols. They worship the work of their own hands, which their own fingers have made. And the mean man boweth down, that means the, you know, the low person of low estate, and the great man humbleth himself, therefore forgive them not. Enter into the rock and hide thee in the dust, for fear the Lord for the glory of his majesty. The lofty looks of man shall be humbled, and the haughtiness of men shall be bowed down, and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. Okay, now there's a lot of analogies I see in here for Argentina. And you could equally liken a lot of this stuff to Texas, because whether you all know it or not, there's a lot of things that are very similar in Argentina to Texas, a lot of very, very big parallels, which is good, because I love Texas, and I'd be, amen, I thought I'd get an amen somewhere, and um, it is a blessing to be here. I I love, I love Texas. I don't like the mosquitoes, necessarily, and I'm glad the love bugs hadn't come out yet, but... uh, there's a lot of things I do love. You ever notice everything either prickles or bites or, you know. Yeah, I never knew fire ants growing up. When I was a kid, ants didn't bite. I played with the ants. And I tell you, the first time I got into fire ants, I didn't know what happened to me. I tell you what, it was, that was a scary thing. But um, if you notice through here, there's several things that it mentions here. First of all, they had all these foreign ideas. All these foreign ideas. Where we get in trouble is when we start incorporating the ideas of the world into how we do business with God. When we start taking other things and say, that's how we're going to do it. We are not to be led of the world. We are to lead the world. We are not to just do something just because everybody else is doing it. We're supposed to do something because God wants us to do something. We need to put him first and say, what Lord do you want in my life? So I had all these foreign ideas. They were soothsayers like the Philistines. You get into all sorts of things, trusting in everything else, trusting in mysticism, trusting in false teaching. It's bad. And they please themselves with the children of strangers. The idea there is they're making all these contracts, these packs with other, other people. And anything that Argentina has had a problem with is, if you look at one of the things that, that they have been up in arms about was, you know, selling Argentina off to other places. It's kind of like the same thing here. What are we doing? We're selling it all off to China, right? And um, how much at the end of the day are we actually going to own of our own stuff here in Texas? it's a it's a mess at the same time how many people want to get out there and do the hard jobs how many people want to get out there and do the things that are no fun to do now let's hire that out to somebody else we don't want to make that here yeah let's let's have somebody else in some other place make it and we'll be dependent upon them well i'm not supposed to talk about politics am i you're not supposed to do that anyway well i'm going to the right place because they love talking about politics down in argentina they'll sit for hours and just talk about The corrupt politics. They have corrupt politics down there. Of course, I'm sure we don't have anything like that here. They have a national debt problem down there. Of course, I'm sure we don't have anything like that. Um, They have... I can go on and on 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 about all the list of problems. But um, they please themselves and the children of strangers. Their land is full of silver and gold. The word Argentina, you know what it means? a Land full of silver. Argentium, yeah, it's, of course it wasn't full of silver, but yeah, you know, that's, that's how they got its name, you know, they supposed that there was a lot of silver down there. Their land is also full of silver and gold, neither is there any end of their treasures. Of course, a lot of the treasures in Argentina are purchased through debt, and yeah. <laughs> they are in debt up to their eyeballs, and the Bible teaches that the borrower is a servant to the lender, One of the problems we have in our country as well is a problem with debt. I tell you, we need to be off of that chain. We need to be the people that are the head and not the tail. You look at the list of curses and blessings in Deuteronomy, and you'll see that one of the curses, the signs of the curses, is being in debt to everybody else. Being the tail and not the head. We need to be at the forefront of leading god's people and leading the world we need to be that light on the hilltop that's shining out there's no end to their treasures how about this one their land is is also full of horses one of the things argentina is known for is their horses kind of like texas i mean you go to a, my, my daughter my oldest daughter she loves working with horses she trains horses and uh proud of her as i could be she's she's really good on those things you get me on a horse and, and i it's ugly i mean yeah, I have no Roy Rogers in me. I have no Gene Autry in me. I, well, I, I can do a, I can do a single note like Gene Autry does. I mean, yeah. Of course, he can he, he can actually understand what he sings, but um uh, anyway, you get me on a horse it's scary. I mean, they're going to laugh at me down there. But my daughter, she gets on a horse and I tell you what she wins awards. But uh their lands a land full of horses. It says there's no end to their chariots. The lo- the widest avenue in the world is there in Buenos Aires. I tell you what, that that is not for the faint of heart crossing that road. It's a bunch of lanes. Look it up on there sometime. And it's huge. Cars all over the place. I tell you what, the Bible teaches us we don't put our trust in horses. We don't put our trust in chariots. Man's life does not consist of the things that he possesses it's not the things that we have that define us it's who we are in Christ if we don't have that we don't have anything their land is also is full of idols they worship the work of their own hands is that not secular humanism we create God in our own image that's what secular humanism does we create something to worship that we like But we don't. That's not the truth. The truth is there is a God and he changeth not. He's real. He's the same today, yesterday, and forever. We have a God that's like that. We don't create him in our image. He has created us in his image for the purpose of glorifying him. And that which our own fingers have made, the mean man boweth down, And the great man humbleth himself, therefore forgive them not. Enter into the rock and hide thee in the dust for fear of the Lord for the glory of his majesty. How about this one? The lofty looks of man shall be humbled and the haughtiness of men shall be bowed down and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. Now, not all pride is a bad thing. I mean, I'm proud of my kids. Is that an evil thing? (laughs) But at the same time, Pride can be a very evil thing. Argentina is one of those countries that is a very proud country, kind of like Texas. If you ask anybody that in their right mind where the best place on the earth is, where where it's going to be, it's going to be Texas, right? Amen. (laughs) Um, I mean, down there, the Chileans, they they like Texas so much, they they got the same flag and just turn it upside down. (laughs) Um, Anyway... If you ask an Argentine where the best beef is in the entire world, well, they're not going to say Texas. They're going to say, oh, it's Argentina. It's Argentina. I was standing on the, if you, if you get a chance to see anything down there, as far as you want to see the most beautiful sight in the world, it's down there in Argentina. Up there in the north, northeast, there on the border of Brazil and right next to Paraguay, yeah, Iguazu Falls. I was, I was standing on the Brazilian side, right, looking at the beautiful falls. And, and from the Brazilian side, you can see the panorama of all these hundreds of waterfalls all linked together in panorama view. And so I'm, I'm looking at this just in awe. And right next to me is this man kind of looking his nose down at this thing in contempt. And he says, it's a lot better on the Argentine side. <laughs> That's Argentina, my friend. And the Lord can break pride. And again, pride in some senses can be a good thing and in other senses it's a very bad thing because if you are proud in your heart to God, if you said, I will not bend, I will not bow, I will not do what God wants, it's going to have to be that day when the Lord comes back and He breaks you. And that's what this is prophetically talking about. You read the rest of Isaiah chapter 2. He says they're going to be throwing their idols into the holes with the moles and the bats. And so I didn't worship those. (laughs) They're going to be hiding themselves in the rocks for the great wrath of God. Again, you can pick, pick up right from here and go into Revelation and see the fruition of these passages. And they're linked. There's a day coming that there's going to be a reckoning. There's going to be an accounting. And people are going to have to stand before God And give an account with what they've done with his son, and what we're going down there to do is introduce them to my Jesus, introduce them to the Lord. Tell one little story before I close here. We went into a Catholic church down there. Beautiful building. Building was beautiful. Big, huge building. The door was like that thick. It was was built, you know, several hundred years ago. Right. Interesting enough, right next to this was where they were torturing people back in the 70s. If you ever read the history bit down there, all these people that opposed the government and were disappearing, yeah, the ones that didn't get out of a plane over the ocean, were in this little room, this little building right next to this big, giant Catholic church, being tortured to death. And uh, interesting enough, through a hole in the wall there, you can see the steeple of this Catholic church right next door to it. So they'd be having services while these people were being tortured to death right next door. The irony of it is just horrible, but um, and you can see you can see where their nails had scratched the wall. It was horrible, horrible thing. I, I can't even imagine what some of these people went through. But we went into this building, and I'll never forget this man because he he entered into the building. He was well dressed, obviously a businessman of some, somebody you know at least well off. You know, physically had a coat and tie on. But on his face, he wore this, this, this burden. You could tell that everything was not right in his life. And this heaviness of, of whatever it was was weighing him down. He was entering that building with his hand over his heart, just with a look of look grief on his heart. And I knew that him entering in, in there, he was not going to find the answers he was looking for. Because those answers are only found in my Jesus. Now, what about that man? I don't know. There's a lot of people like him, though. A lot of people just like him. They need the gospel. How will they know unless they've been told? That's why we go. But it's not just me going down there, my family going down there. What are you going to do about it? It's not just sending money off. It's you getting out in the streets, out in the highways, in the the byways, and compelling them to come in. You going out and you witnessing to your friends. You going out and telling them about the fact that they have a need. Tell them that the Lord wants them to be saved. It's you going out and witnessing to those around you. It's you going out and making a difference. It's you going out and making that change. It's you going out and being salt. You going out and being light. That's what it's all about. And that's why we're going. And again, the Lord has been blessing us. But let me ask you today, you may be here today, and you may have never put your faith and trust in Jesus. Maybe nobody's ever presented it to you. you say, is that possible? Yes, that's very possible. Here's the thing. Mankind, all mankind, we're all sinners. There is not a perfect one on this entire earth, the only one that was ever perfect, they crucified. We are all sinners. So how can we all be sinners? Is it by our actions? Yes, but it's also by inheritance. We inherited a sin nature all the way back from Adam. The first man sinned, the disease entered into the human race. And that disease has passed to every one in his family tree. All the way down to you and me every single one of us. Now, not only do we inherit it, but we're also pretty good at it. We not only inherit the sin nature, but we have also almost make it a science, getting good at it. Some people get so good at it and become professional criminals and you read about them in the paper. But we are all sinners. There is not a single one of us that can say, oh, I'm clean. I'm a, I'm a pretty good person. I've heard a lot of people say that. They say, oh, I'm a pretty good old boy. I don't kill somebody. They may have thought about it. They just don't want to talk about that. But they think they're okay. But we're not okay. We... I'm not sure who in the the world is calling me in the middle of... No number, probably salesperson. I call them in the middle of supper. Anyway, uh, all I know is we have a God that died on the cross. He sent Jesus to pay your whole price on the cross. It's not by our works. We're not going to do a bunch of good stuff to earn our way there. You cannot earn your way there. There's no possible way. Because even if you could, at this point, live perfect from here on out, you still hadn't done anything with all the mess you had before now. So even if it was possible to all, turn over a new leaf, as they say, and live perfect from here on out, which isn't going to happen, by the way. Even if it was possible, it still doesn't cancel out all the stuff you did before. You mean, let's say you, you decide to go on a shooting spree robbing banks and shooting people, you know, shooting kids in schools and all these other things, and then you decide, well, you know, I don't want to do that. I want to I be a benefactor. I'm going to take all this money I robbed from the bank, and I'm just going to give it to churches and charities. Amen. They're still going to come after you. It doesn't cancel out everything before. And we have a God that is a good judge. We have a God that is a honest judge. I went to do jury duty one time, and they had all the the previous judges on the wall, except they had all the pictures kind of tilted, kind of a little crooked. I said, look at all those crooked judges. (laughs) But uh, we have a God that is not a crooked judge. We have a God that is real. And he is going to judge you on what you've done with his son. What you need to do is realize you're a sinner and realize Jesus died to pay your whole sin debt and you ask him to save you and trust him that he will. And after that, after you know he's yours and yours, you're his, that's it, that's as simple as it is. You admit you're wrong. You admit that you are spiritually bankrupt and you need him. And after that, he takes you into his family. No questions asked. He doesn't say, oh, you clean up first and then you can come into my house. No, he'll take you just like you are. And he will fix you. It's not us reforming our flesh. That's what religion does. That's what religion does. Most of the churches you see that that call themselves churches, that's what they do. They try to reform the flesh and it does not work. Because you need God to fix you. And he cannot fix you unless you're his. Unless you give him that blank check to say, God, write on me what you will. You ask him to save you and he will do the saving and he will do the cleaning. And at the end of the day, you will be a vessel, meet for the master's use and God will be able to do something with your life. And you'll be a blessing to others as well. What's your need today? What's your need today? What is God asking you to do? What is God burdening your heart to do? If you're lost, you need to be saved. Don't put it off another day. Don't put it off another minute. And then if you are saved, you need to follow the Lord. Commit to Him. That's what, that's what baptism is all about. It's Not to help you be more saved or to get somebody saved. No, no. It's to show the world you're a believer and you're following Jesus. And after that, you fellowship with one of the Lord's churches. Not just the church you're choosing. It's the one the Lord has. And you begin picking up this Bible and learning All that he has for you. God will bless. What's your need? Ask everyone to stand. Have a hymn of invitation.